There's a Roman legend that has persisted. No one's sure how true it is. But after a major military victory, as the triumphant military generals were paraded through the streets in day-long parades, there was ceremonial processions where the leader rode in a chariot with four horses, cheered by thousands in victory. There was not a more coveted honor in the Roman Empire. The general was idolized, viewed as divine as his troop by the troops and the public alike. But riding in that same chariot, standing just behind the general, there was a slave. And the slave's job, his sole responsibility for the entirety of the procession was to whisper in the general's ear continually. Look behind. Remember thou art mortal. Remember you must die. Memento mori. The slave served to remind the victor at the peak of his glory. This God-like adoration would end and someday he would die. In the Christian tradition, Lent acts as a yearly reminder of our mortality with an even deeper meaning than the Roman Empire might have meant for reflecting on Jesus for defeating our mortality. It's a time to step out of our egos, of our small pleasures, and of our safety nets. A time to repent and believe or more simply, to turn around and trust. On this Wednesday, on Ash Wednesday, people will gather in churches throughout the world and throughout the United States and celebrate an age-old day. On their foreheads, ashes will be made into the cross, and they will say to one another, you are dust, and to dust you must return. Or, Return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning, as Joel, the prophet, invited the people of God. Let's pray. Jesus and Holy Spirit, we just ask that your presence would be here today. As I teach on this topic of Lent, I am so aware that I am in need of it more than I am a model of it. I just ask that as we look into what Lent means, what Lent is, that your Holy, you, Holy Spirit, would speak to each of us in our busy lives, in the digital age, in a time when it's easy to get moving at a pace that is way beyond our limit. We just ask that you would show us where to slow down. In your name, amen. We're taking a break from our Exodus series to observe the season of Lent. To which some of you are going, what the heck is Lent? As Wikipedia defines it, Lent is a solemn religious observance in the Christian liturgical calendar that begins Ash Wednesday and ends approximately six weeks later, 40 days, on Holy Thursday, the memorial of the Lord's Supper, the Thursday of Holy Week before Easter Sunday. The purpose of Lent is the preparation for the believer for Easter through prayer, penance, 
mortifying the flesh, repentance of sin, almsgiving, and the denial of ego. The event is observed in the Anglican, Eastern Orthodox, Lutheran, Methodist, Moravian, Oriental Orthodox, Reformed, and Roman Catholic churches. Some Anabaptist and Evangelical churches also observe the Lenten season. In the Western church, it's a 40-day period, excluding Sundays. Starts on Ash Wednesday and extends through Easter Sunday. In the Eastern church, they do a straight 40 days. So they will start a little bit later than we do. They don't take Sundays off. So in the U.S., this is the range of dates, usually from Wednesday, February 26th to Thursday, April 9th. So whatever it, whenever Easter is, it goes six weeks back. Why 40 days? 40, as many of you know, is a significant number in the Judeo-Christian culture, in the scriptures. In Genesis, the flood destroying the earth lasted about 40 days and 40 nights. The Hebrews spent about 40 years in the wilderness before reaching the promised land. Moses fasted for 40 days before receiving the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. And maybe most importantly to the Lenten season, Jesus himself spent 40 days fasting in the wilderness in preparation for his ministry. You can see Mark's done an amazing job of showing what the Judean wilderness looks like. It's a desert. 40 days Jesus spent Most Christians regard Jesus' time in the wilderness as the key event for the duration of Lent. Something else, Susan and Diane, that I found very interesting is that Mardi Gras, or Fat Tuesday, is the celebration before Lent begins. I don't know if that's the right mindset, (laughs) but let's go get trashed before Lent. (laughs) Because most people on Lent... (laughs) don't drink alcohol or do many of their vices. So obviously it's evolved into many other things. But Mardi Gras was meant to be this day of your last hurrah before the Lenten season. The liturgical color of Lent is purple. I tried to do that on the handout, but you couldn't read it. And so they wrote me back saying I need to lighten it up. So it is blue. Mark stuck to the script. Um, The celebration of Lent, it's not a commandment. You won't find it anywhere in the Bible. Hey, let's celebrate Lent. But it is an opportunity to renew our faith and to edify our spirit. Nobody's sure exactly when the observance of Lent began. Some people like to say that it started with the apostles. Um, Others say it began later on. And it was formalized at the first council of Nicaea in 325. So many, many people, um, I think, for the most part, scholars believe that that's when it really, the 40 days really came about. Um, but we know that many times throughout Jewish history, there were periods of fasting before big events. So we know that the apostles participated in fasting and just unsure if it was always right before Easter or what that time period was. But after... 325, it was a time of preparation for candidates for baptism, a time for penance for sinners. In the early centuries, fasting rules were strict, almost similar to Ramadan. You ate one meal after dark for the 40 days of the Lenten season. Meat, fish, eggs, and butter were forbidden, which doesn't sound so hard now, but at the time, I don't imagine what else you'd eat, but beans and rice or something, vegetables. 
The Eastern Church also restricts the use of wine, oil, and dairy products. In the West, we've laxed on many of these rules. Catholics and other Christians often just choose one thing to give up, a specific pleasure such as sweets or social media during the Lenten season as a way to foster simplicity and self-control. Many use their cravings or their desires for these items as a reminder to pray and refocus on spiritual matters. So why, why would we, Compass, participate in Lent? I, right after college, I worked at a coffee shop that was also a, an Episcopalian church in downtown Chattanooga. And they had this really cool mix of the old and the new. They were a coffee shop during the week, and then they closed down over the weekend and often had concerts, and then they'd also have church services. So um, many times I would just talk with the most of the other people that worked at the coffee shop went to that church, so we would talk about beliefs. And I still remember um, one of the guys there talking about um, a lot of the liturgy in Episcopalian churches. And I'm not much of a traditionalist, and so it was really fascinating to me the idea of liturgy, these things they do over and over, saying the same things or in the same order. And he said something that's really stuck with me. He said that to them, they believe the church is meant to create structure and hold space that maybe the individual isn't able to hold at the time. And I saw this modeled throughout my time there, and I really enjoyed it. I came at it with suspicion, but as I would sometimes go to their vespers, or I even went to some of their church service just out of curiosity, and I saw it modeled so well. This idea of corporate worship with space for the individual to encounter God. Pauses in the middle of service for the, pray, the individual to pray over something specific. Um, interactive elements just put throughout the service or the vespers that really encourage the individual to participate in the corporate service. For me, Lent is like that. There's nothing magical about it. There's no biblical mandate, nor is it particularly original. All the elements predate even Jesus. Fasting, repentance, simplicity, sacrifice, reflection. These are all ancient Judeo-Christian values. In the front of this book, which is one of our encouraged readings, if you'd like, it had a perfect, I thought, description of Lent. It says, Lent is a season of preparation, but it should never be morose, an annual ordeal during which we, be, we begrudgingly forego a handful of pleasures. Instead, it ought to be approached as an opportunity. After all, it is meant to be the church's springtime. Out of the darkness of sin's winter, a repentant, empowered people emerges. Lent is a time to let go of excuses for failings and shortcomings, to stop hanging on whatever shreds of goodness we perceive in ourselves, a time to ask God to show us what we really look like. And yet... Our need for repentance cannot erase the good news that Christ overcame all sin. His resurrection frees us from ourselves. His empty tomb turns our attention away from all that is wrong with us and with the world and spurs us on to experience the abundant life he promises. I can't even remember really how my friends and I began practicing Lent, 
but it's been for a number of years now. I can't even tell you how many. And every spring, a few weeks or the week before Ash Wednesday, texts begin exchanging. Have you decided what you're giving up for Lent this year? For Christmas this last year, I bought my friends um, the, this Lent reading book um, for the Lenten season. I'm forced during that time to lift my eyes up from the immediate demands and the chaos of life and, let, and set some intentions with friends to bring my thoughts back to what really matters, Jesus. I'm not saying this as some sort of Lent expert with all these years of experience. I'm up here today as someone who is really grateful that Lent is here. The last few weeks, my schedule has been way too full. On almost every front, I'm at my limit. My patience is thin. The last couple of weeks have been a coffee in the morning, Red Bull on the way to work in the afternoon kind of days. I'm more behind on my New Testament reading in a year than I would like to admit. And when I have free time that could be used for quietness or reflection or community, I'm so exhausted that it's easier to watch a show or listen to a podcast or just read some book than it is to do any sort of deep work. So this season, I'm especially, I am so grateful for this ancient calendar. The friends who remember it's coming and reach out to ask what I plan on for this year. The invitation to reflect and align with the values that matter most to me in my head, but so often get separated from my heart. So around you somewhere, if you don't, if you don't have one, there's more in the back, but you'll find this handout, something you can stick in your Bible or in your car, and it just has some ideas for the basics. Number one is to pick something to give up. A lot of people do something around food, so coffee or caffeine, processed sugar, meat, or maybe for the vegetarian, veggie meat, <laughs> dairy, a total fast for one day of the week. Some people will choose like a Wednesday and fast for that day. Um, if you wanted to be very serious, you could eat only before sunrise and after sunset. But up, up on a simple Google of um, alternative things to give up for Lent, I found screen time, digital devices, complaining, that would be a big one, um, hot showers, I immediately was like, no, definitely not. You know what time of the year it is? So that's probably the one I should give up. Um, I just thought, well, I would just shower less, and that wouldn't be good. <laughs> but <laughs> it wouldn't be helpful to anyone. Um, shopping, snacking, listening to music in the radio, lazy shortcuts. This one was interesting. Um, making sure you make your bed every day, getting up right away and not hitting snooze, parking the furthest away possible from the door, doing the dishes right away. To me, there's a little bit too much doing there. <laughs> Lent is more about giving up, I think. Um, but... Eating out elevators around here, that wouldn't seem hard, but I imagine like in New York City, that would be a huge sacrifice. Um, art, that was an interesting one. Oh yeah, Netflix would be a good one. Um, in a lot of the old traditions, especially when you used to have giant cathedrals with a lot of art, the tradition was to take a uh, purple cloth and cover up all of your statues and your art. And that's just to remind everybody um, that the world is much less beautiful without Christ in it. The second, the, the point of, of choosing something, though, being mindful, oftentimes the thing that I will give up um, 
is whatever I've noticed is my biggest kind of escape, my biggest thing that instead of being reflective or um, being intentional, I just kind of default to. And that'll be different for everybody. It might be TV, it might be eating out, it might be just scrolling, it might be, um, yeah, Facebook. I mean, it, it could be anything. So for me, I have quite the long list. It's going to be which ones do I want to tackle first. Um, but that's kind of the, the mindset, I think, uh, when you're trying to choose something to give up is really something that is keeping you from being reflective and intentional. Secondly, is choosing a reading plan. This, uh, we have a couple or three or four options. We have this book. This is the one I read last year. I really enjoyed it. Um, the author is very, very thoughtful. And she kind of has a different spin on Lent. She has a thought for each day and kind of a reflection. And then each day has a fast. So it's more of a fast of the mind than of the physical body. So the, t- the first fast is Lent as a project. Most of, some of you type A people are already like planning how you're going to win Lent, you know? And that's just not the point. <laughs> so Lent as a project, you're going, oh man, I, that is sometimes how I think about it. But then it goes through and there's a section on Lent, so it gives some of the history. So if you're more curious about the history, um, all throughout the season, there's a little bit of information about that. And then today's reading and a reflection. So this one I've, I really, really enjoyed. We have some of these in the back if you'd like one. If we run out, we can order more. Um, this is the one I'm using this year. I haven't read it before, but it has. Uh, I used their Christmas book for Advent this year, and it was excellent. It has uh, writings from C.S. Lewis, Soren Kierkegaard, Henry Nouwen, um, Tolstoy, Updike, Yancey, just a lot of um, amazing Christian authors and also has kind of day-by-day readings if you're interested. And then if you don't want to worry about carrying a book around, each year she reads truth and he reads truth, um, do a Lent study. So you can either order those books online or you can download the apps on your phone or even just access it on your web browser And they have a devotional thought, a biblical passage, and then kind of like a chat area at the end for kind of reflection and community. So any of those, if you Google it, you'll find many other reading plans. But we just wanted to give you a little bit of a direction to go if you're interested. So see me after, um, or my dad, Michelle, we can get you hooked up with one of these books if you're interested. Um, Personally, I just really like the daily reading because it's uncomplicated and you're not trying to figure out what you need to do. And I've, I've really enjoyed these, so it's completely up to you. And the last kind of step in Lent is taking the time to reflect. So you could do all this stuff, you know, kick a bad habit, it's something that you've been wanting to quit anyway, and still miss the whole point of the season. The point is to really create more space, to push back on chaos and busyness in your life, and to really focus on Jesus. So for the next six weeks throughout the Lent season, we're going to be going over some of the key practices of Jesus. So just kind of a, what is it? And then um, how would I engage in a simple way in some of these practices? And those will be silence and solitude, scripture, prayer, fasting, simplicity, and community. So 
those three elements really stick out to me as the main trellis of Lent and the main goal of Lent. Each year, Lent does what it does best. It nudges us, it pushes us into community and accountability. It requires of us reflection and intention, thoughtful planning and action. Could you do that anytime? Yes, of course. You could pick any day to begin that. But as we say at work, sometime is not a time. And so often our best intentions continue to be something that we will begin tomorrow. Lent raises those spiritual intentions to the surface and it gives us opportunity to put your feet on a path that thousands will tread with you this year and millions have tread before you in the past. The invitation of Jesus is always come. As C.S. Lewis puts so well, will you come with me to the mountains? It will hurt at first until your feet are hardened. Reality is harsh to the feet of shadows, but will you come? Jesus, we ask that even now we would be a people that return to you with our whole hearts. With fasting and weeping and mourning, that we would remember that we are dust. And in that reminder of our mortality, we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would pursue us so we would turn around and trust you. Whether we're, some of us in here are people who truly feel we need to return. We feel far from you and we need the grace to know that we're drawn in. Some of us feel very close with you and this Lenten season will just be an opportunity to be extra reflective, extra intentional. We just ask that wherever we are in that spectrum, that you would meet us. That there would be a solidarity in all of us as your people moving towards you and that you would prepare us for great work. It's so easy to get caught up in the chaos, to be overextended, to be busy and distracted. And Lord, we just ask that you would help us accept the gift of limits. That you would give us the courage and the insight and the wisdom to place limits on our own lives, whatever those may be. During this Lenten season and beyond, that we would create space to have a dynamic relationship with you. Father, we, we ask and pray. I ask now that as each teacher for this next six weeks prepares, that you would give them wisdom and insight into leading more of us to your feet. And I ask for each individual here, let's pause maybe 10 seconds and just ask the Holy Spirit to come and bring insight in this season. Holy Spirit, come. Amen.